The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Good morning, Fathom Church. I'm going to say Happy New Year. Um, And and thanks for you people online. I think it's a pretty good turnout for um, just kind of a holiday day. So um, thanks for coming out. Here's my poll for the day. How many of you on Christmas open your presents Christmas Eve? And how many of you open them Christmas morning? Christmas Eve, people. All right, yeah. We were Christmas Eve people. They say that's a German thing. I don't know. Um, But we always did it Christmas Eve. So um, that's my poll for the morning. Hey, the last time I was privileged to preach to you, um, I was assigned a passage. And it was in 1 Samuel and it was about golden hemorrhoids. (laughs) So um, this time I got to choose. And uh, I chose a passage that's really dear to my heart and passion, Matthew 18. So turn to that, Matthew, I mean, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, Many of you know this passage. Maybe some of you memorize it. It's a classic passage on what we call missions. Um, and it's a great passage for talking about this over here going deep and this over here reaching wide. Um, but it's also Jesus' last words to his disciples, his people, his team, before he sent them out into the, into the, into the world and into the field. Um, so it, it's really a significant passage. And it's a great passage with which to end a year and start a new one. So... Um, So here's the context. So we've just celebrated Jesus' birth, okay? Uh, The beginning of his life um, here on this earth. And this passage takes us right to the end. So Jesus has died, and he's risen again, and he's appeared uh, to many of his disciples. And now he's ready to go back up to the Father. Um, And he said, hey, I'm I'm gonna go prepare a place for you, and then I'm gonna return. Um, And... So these are the words of Jesus telling, giving us the basic outline of what he wants us, his people, to be doing, his church, until he returns. So significant words. And he says this to a group of disciples. He says it to a team of people. And this is important because it's a a big difference If I walk up to, say, Royce, and say, Royce, go make disciples of all nations. Royce is going, really? Um, As opposed to saying to the team of disciples on earth, go make disciples of all nations. It's a big difference. Um, This is a team thing. Um, It's like a coach saying to the team, um, this is how I want you to go out and win this game. So the, the team is... Fathom, along with the other churches in the world, but let's focus on Fathom. Um, We're Jesus' team, and he wants us to go out and win this game, this game for him. So um, now, I guess sometimes it can go the other way around. The coach speaks to the team, and you say, okay, I'm off the hook, you know, because this is team, and I can kind of sit on the side. No, I mean, if we don't, if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're not doing it, it's not getting done. So, important words. If we miss this, 
we miss it. If we don't get this, what Jesus said here, we're not getting it. Um, we're playing the wrong game. So um, that's the significance of this passage. So here's, what, here's how it looks. Um, verse 18 is a statement. Uh, verse 19 is a command. And verse 20 is a promise. Simple as that. So that's what we're going to talk about. 18 is a statement. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to paraphrase that. Just say, Jesus is big. Jesus is the boss. Jesus is the ruler. He's the king. He's the best. He's the highest. He's the supreme. He's the ultimate. In heaven and on earth, that's Jesus. Yes, Jesus is our friend. I hope he's a friend. But he's also king above all kings, and he's Lord of heaven and earth. And the bigness of Jesus makes his friendship with me and with you all the more astounding. Yes, Jesus is that baby born in a manger, but he's also king above all kings and Lord of heaven and earth. He's the boss. He's the best. He's the highest. He's the supreme. He's ultimate in heaven and on earth. And the bigness of Jesus makes the birth of that baby all the more astounding. And yes, Jesus is the love of our, our souls, our Savior. But he's the King of kings and the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the ultimate. He's the supreme. So the bigness of Jesus makes his love for me, his death for us, the more astounding. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is big. Jesus is big. How big is Jesus? Well, that's why I had, to, had, had um, Sammy read Col Colossians 1, 15 through 18. You don't have to look, look there if you don't want to, but I'm going to read it again. This is how big Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be big. Jesus is big. Bigger than anything that looks big to us, um, that feels big to us that overwhelms us with its bigness in our life. What's big? Well, for me, I, I, I'd say probably my family. Um, it might be your job. It might be your health, your very life. It might be graduating from whatever program you're in. Or it might be the wars and the violence and the immoral, immor, immorality that's out there in the world today. That might be big kind of overwhelming. It might be the election of 2024 coming up. Maybe that's big. Maybe it's your dog or your cat. I don't know. Maybe it's the Broncos or the Nuggets or the Avalanche. Whatever's big. Maybe it's that dream house in the mountains or that house in the mountains that you already have. Maybe that's the big thing to you. Jesus is big. Jesus is bigger than any of those things. He's so big, in fact, well, 
Let me tell you a story. This is my favorite Jesus story, okay? I get the, I get the, not only do I get this cool passage, I get to tell my favorite Jesus story. So Jesus tells a story in Matthew 13, 44. He tells a story about um, a guy who's a digger. He digs holes or, or trenches or pits, whatever. He, he's a digger. So he goes out into, he's hired one day to go out into a field, and the guy says, I want you to plant these five olive trees out here. So dig holes, five holes, put the, put the trees in there. He digs hole one, number one, puts a tree in, hole number two, puts a tree in, hole number three, puts a tree in. I know you've heard the story, right? He gets down there into hole number four, and boom, boom, his shovel. I don't know if they, did they use shovels in those days, I guess, maybe. Um, his shovel hits something really hard, and he works at that thing, and it looks, it's like a big, big rock, and he can, he, so he gets down there and kind of tries to get that thing out of it, and it's big. It's about as big as a soccer ball, and he's trying to get that thing out of there, and he gets down there and works it, works it. He can barely move it, and he finds out it's a soccer ball-sized piece of gold, which, you do the math, a pound of gold is worth what, about $23,000 today? Um, so he finds this thing, and he goes, and he looks around. Nobody's around. So he covers it all up. Because if he takes that thing home, number one, couldn't carry it. Number two, um, they'd say, where'd you get that thing? He said, I got it in that field. Well, then it belongs to that guy. So no, he's, he's smart. He covers up the hole, and he goes home. You know what he does? He starts selling everything. He sells his chairs, he sells his tables, he sells his dog, he sells his cat, he sells his television. Oh, he doesn't, I guess they don't have television in those days. He, 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 sells, he, sells every, he sells his house, he sells his land. And people go, what's this guy doing? He's selling everything. And he's really happy about it. And then he takes his money and he goes to this guy and he buys that land. He buys that land and then that treasure is his. And he goes, yes. Yes. Kind of like, Alex coming out of the baptismal thing. Yes. <laughs> Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That's how big Jesus is. That's how big he is. He's the boss, the ruler, the king, the best, the highest, the supreme, the ultimate in heaven and on earth. This statement should astound us, compel us, and give a direction and purpose to all that we do. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. So what's the take home there? Jesus is big. Jesus is big. Well, then, verse 19 is the command and the command is built on the statement. Jesus is big. Because Jesus is big, he commands, okay? Um, this shouldn't surprise us, all right? He's king of kings, lord of heaven and earth. For Pete's sake, he commands, all right? Uh, he has a right to command, and he has a right to be obeyed. Um, but we don't like to be commanded. Um, we sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Really? I mean, you, have you ever thought about that? The Lord, the Lord tells you what to do. He says, go do this, and you do it. How many of you like that? How many of you like to get up in the morning and have somebody say, you got to do this? Uh, not really. Um, but Jesus, he's big. 
He, has the, he commands and he has the right to command. And so, hey, if we claim to be Christians on his team, he's king of king, he's lord of lords, he commands, he has the right to command, and he has a right to be obeyed. So, he commands his people, and his command to them is what? Make disciples, okay? So what, is, what does it mean to make disciples? What's a disciple anyway? Well, well, guess what? It has something to do with Jesus being big, okay? Um, disciple, making disciples, it's not a common word used out there. We use it a lot in the church, but... Yeah, every once in a while you hear it, but it's not common. But you know, the author of, of this passage is Matthew, and Matthew was a disciple, and we have the story of Matthew and how he became a disciple. In Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 5, we have the story of Matthew, so it can tell us what it means to be a disciple. Matthew was a tax collector, and... I don't know that he was autistic, um, as in some popular show, but um, he was sitting in his tax collector's booth, okay? And he, he, at his table, he had his, his, uh, his tax collecting papers there, his, his, his records. He maybe had his money bag or, or box sitting next to him. Maybe he had his coat over the back of his chair. Maybe he had a lunch sitting there somewhere that he was going to eat. And Jesus comes by and says, follow me. And Luke 5, 28 says, and leaving everything, he rose and followed Jesus. And he went home and made a great feast in his house for Jesus. That's what being a disciple, that's being a disciple. That's what a disciple is. That's what making disciples is all about. Um, let every heart, we also sing, let every heart prepare him room. How much room did Matthew prepare for Jesus? Matthew got up out of his tax collecting chair, left his tax collecting table, his tax collecting booth, and walked out into a whole new life, a life with Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of heaven and earth. So disciples, what are, what's a disciple? A disciple are those people who think so much of Jesus take him so seriously that they totally reorient their lives to Jesus and his stuff. That's a disciple. A disciple gets out of his chair, walks out of his little me booth, leaving the self-life to begin the broad wideness of a Jesus life. Life is no longer about us stuff, but about Jesus and his stuff. That's what a disciple is. And this is what Jesus wants us to his people to be and do in this time, this in-between time while we're waiting for him to return. Make disciples of ourselves and each other. Because, well, here's the deal. We talk about inviting Jesus into our life. Well, we often talk about that. Becoming a Christian is inviting Jesus into our lives. We have to be careful when we say that. Do we realize what we're saying? He's big. He's big. When, when we invite Jesus into our lives, we're inviting into our lives the King of kings and the Lord of heaven and earth. And you don't invite someone like that into your home to boss him around. To say, Jesus, I want this. And then we get mad when he doesn't do it for us. That's not how it works. When you invite the King of kings, the Lord of heaven and earth into your life, he bosses you around. He tells you what to do. And 
what does he want to do? He wants to be big in your life. He wants to be big in my life. He wants to be the biggest thing in our lives. That's what he wants. And that's what he deserves. He's big. He deserves to be the absolute biggest thing in our lives. So, um, this is, but let me stress, this is a get-to thing. This is not a have-to thing. It's not like, I, oh, shoot, man, I have to make Jesus big. Bummer. No, this is a get-to thing. Jesus is so great. He's so wonderful. He loves us so much. That should be the most wonderful thing in your life. I get to make Jesus big. That's, yeah, instead of all this other junk that everybody thinks is so big, I get to make Jesus big. Praise the Lord. Again, there you go, man. This is good stuff. That's not bad stuff. So what's the take home? Jesus is big. So the command is to make him big in our lives and the lives of others. So um, he goes on. He gives us a couple how-tos here. Um, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded. Baptizing and teaching. So just, just brief on that. You, you know what a baptism is. We mentioned it. You've seen it out there. Um, you know what it looks like. So we, we, take, we take a guy like Alex or Axel or any of us that have been baptized and we dip him down in the water and we raise him up. And what is that, what is that picture? It's, it pictures a commitment to Jesus that, is, that is, is so radical that it can only be pictured by dying and coming to life again into a new life. That's what baptism pictures and that's how discipleship begins. It begins with that kind of commitment to Jesus that can only be pictured by a life dying and being raised to something new. And then, that's where it begins, but then he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Coaching, the teaching part is then when people have made that kind of commitment to Christ, we coach them into an ongoing life of learning more and more and more and more about Jesus, learning more and more and more about his stuff and making Jesus and his stuff bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. That's what it's all about. If we're not doing this, we're not making disciples. And if we're not making disciples like this, we're not winning the game Jesus sent out to play. In fact, we're not even playing the right game. So th there are a lot of good things people are doing out there um, that are not making disciples. A lot of non-Jesus people are caring for the sick, helping the homeless, striving against poverty, rescuing the traffic. These are all good things. I, I'm glad they're doing it. I applaud them for doing it. Do it. That's great. But we as Jesus people who know and understand and appreciate the bigness of Jesus are commanded to do more. We're, we're supposed to do more. The challenge, we're supposed to challenge people to make Jesus big in their lives. And once they do, we're supposed to coach them on to fullness of life in Jesus. So if we're not coaching people to fullness of life in Jesus, we're not winning the game Jesus sent us to play. In fact, we're not even playing the right game. So, um, baptism to start, 
the ongoing life of making Jesus bigger and bigger and bigger. So, but that's only half the command, okay? So, um, go make disciples of all nations. That's the other half of the command. So, so, so far, pretty much, we've been talking about this go deep stuff, okay? Does that kind of make sense? It's kind of go, going deep kind of stuff. This takes us over here to the reach wide stuff. And um, this is the part that we, in this year of evaluating Fathom Church, this is the part that we have discovered um, that we're not doing very good at, Okay? That's why we put this up there. We had said, our goal is, we, we, Fathom Church is about going deep. Okay, I think we're kind of good at that. Um, but this thing, this thing over here, we decided it's hard. That's a hard thing over here. It's, it's not natural. It takes a lot of work. So that's what we want to work on. Um, and Jesus, Jesus wants Fathom um, no, let's sharpen that. Jesus commands Fathom to have at its heart a desire to see Jesus big, not just in here, not just in here, not just among our little groups, but out there, out there to the ends of the world. Um, you see, there are, there are lives out there in which Buddha is big. And Jesus saying, no, I, that bothers me, Jesus says, and it should bother us. We want Jesus to be big in their lives. There are lives out there in which Muhammad is big. No, we want Jesus to be big in those lives. And it bothers us that he's not. Or it should. That's the, that's the reaching why. There are lives out there in which Joseph Smith is big. No, not Joseph Smith. Jesus is supposed to be big in their lives. There are lives out there in which the spirits of, of ancestors... Witch doctors and ancient rituals are the big thing in their lives. And no, we want Jesus to be big in their lives. And there are other lives in which riches and pleasure and success are the big things in their life. No, Jesus, Jesus is supposed to be big in their lives. There are lives in which safety and well-being and approval are the big things in their lives. No, we're supposed to get out there and get these people to make Jesus big. That's what we're supposed to be about. There are lives out there in which TV and Facebook and video games are the big thing in their lives. Jesus wants to get out there and say, no, Jesus, Jesus is supposed to be big in your life. There are lives out there in which sports and toys and fitness are the big things in their lives. Jesus wants us to go out there and make him big in those lives. So that's the reaching wide. This is what we're not doing so good at, we decided. Um, and this is why there's the banner over there on the wall. So I guess we're repenting. We're, we're turning around. We're going in the new direction. May God help us. Um, because this is hard. This is not natural. We've got to really work at this stuff. But before I, before I move on, let me just say um, four things about this. Number one, it's a command. Just go, go back to that. It's not optional to make Jesus big in the nations of the world is not an option. We can't just sit here and say, well, we're good, we're good. No, this is a command from our Lord. Number two, 
This is a command, yes, but it's also a most amazing privilege. Again, it's a get-to thing, not a have-to thing. I hope this tugs at some of your hearts and you're saying, yes, it's a get-to thing. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 paints a beautiful picture. John, who, who had this vision, says, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne of Jesus, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow. I can't express the reward, the worth, the privilege of having a hand at bringing this about. Being used by God to make Jesus King of kings and Lord of heaven and on earth big. He used us to make him big in Rwanda. There's nothing more rewarding in our lives. Don't regret it a bit. There are hundreds of Rwandans who will be right there in that number because Jesus made himself big in our lives and gave us the privilege. It wasn't like, oh, shoot, man, I gotta do this. No, the absolute privilege of making him big in Rwanda. It gives me goosebump shivers down my spine just, just thinking about it. Number three, and it's not one or the other. It's not here or there. It's both and. It's fathom teaming up to bring Jesus' love and gospel to the homeless right around us, to unwed mothers, to refugees. Right here, close at hand. Yeah. But also, both and, at the same time, other fathom, fathom people teaming up to do the same things, bringing Jesus' love and gospel to the Buddhists in Thailand, the atheists in France, the spirit practitioners in Guinea, the Muslims in Indonesia. Number four, the farther out there, the harder the task. Makes sense. The fewer the resources, the smaller the team, the greater the resistance, the harder the demands, the greater the risk, and so the greater the need, but also the greater the reward. The greater the reward. This is hard. This is not natural. We've got to work at this. Takeaway, May 2024 be a year in which we are so bothered that our great and wonderful Jesus, King of kings and Lord of heaven and earth, is not big out there, that we do something about it. So, we finally come to the promise in verse 20. Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a great promise. The big Jesus is with us ever and always, in all things, at all times. Now, now he's with us for many reasons, in many seasons, um, but here, in this context, in this particular context, um, he's saying this, command, he's, he's, he's commanding and challenging his team to make himself big, and he says, I will be with you to make myself big. That's why I'm with you. He's with us to make himself big. In all the ways and times Jesus is with us, he is ever and always about making himself big. In our good times, in our hard times, 
He wants to be big. That's what he's working at. He's with us. He's in us. His purpose is in us, in our good times, in our bad times, to make himself big. In our family times, in our alone times, his purpose is to make himself big. In our work times, in our break and recreation times, his purpose in being with us is to make himself big. In times of plenty, in times of poverty and want and need, his purpose is to make himself big. Times of sorrow, in our best times of joy, his purpose in being with us in those times is to make himself big. He is with us to make himself big. Not to make us big, you got that? Not to make us big, not to make our plans big, to make him big. And when we don't understand this, we get a lot of what Jesus is trying to do in our lives wrong. Um, we, just, we just don't understand it. Um, why did I lose that job? What's going on? What's Jesus trying to do? Why? Well, he's trying to make himself big. He tells us right here. He's trying to make himself big. Man, I, I, I don't know why I keep getting sick. Well, Jesus is trying to make himself big. He's, gonna, he's with you right in that thing to make himself big. So the takeaway, Jesus is with us in our, in our going deep, and he's pushing us out to reach wide. He'll keep pushing us out until the end of the age, until the job is done, and there are indeed people from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue in whose lives Jesus is big. So that's the passage. Um, you've got the statement, Jesus is big. You've got the command, make disciples of all nations, and you've got the promise, I am with you always to the end of time making myself big in you and through you. So now the question is, what are you going to do about it? Well, we're going to keep going deep. Let's, let's keep at it. Um, let's keep helping each other to make Jesus bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. That's what this is about. That's what D groups are, are about. Um, and, um, you know, we could brainstorm a lot on this uh, uh, how can I do that as an individual? How can I make Jesus bigger in my personal life, in my family, my job? Um, how can I do that? You know, I've, I've been haunted by this question for, for, over, for the 50 years of my life with Jesus. I, I keep asking myself, how can I ever live a life worthy of the great and wonderful Jesus? How can I ever do that? King of kings, Lord of heaven and earth, how can he be bigger? I ask myself that all the time. It's been the pursuit of my life. And I've concluded this. I could say a lot about that, but I've concluded this. You know what? Our daily lives are really quite small. Aren't they kind of small? Don't you think? How often do you finish a day accomplishing all that you wanted to accomplish? Maybe a couple times. How often do you look back and say, is that all I did? How come that's all I got done? You know, our lives aren't that big. They're, they're little. And we try and cram stuff in there. So here's what I discovered. The simpler we make our lives, the bigger we can make Jesus. Every event we add to our lives squeezes out that space. Every toy we buy 
Every pursuit we set our hearts on fills, 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 fills our days, fills the space in our lives, and we end up squeezing Jesus into these little bitty cracks. Little bitty cracks. So, simple is good. Let's declutter. Let's make Jesus big. Let's think about that as we head into 2024. But the big thing is right here, reaching wide. This is really where the fathom is, the, 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 the challenge is for fathom. Because it's hard, it's not natural, it takes a lot of work. Um, but, you know, these two, do, they do go together. They do go together. Because the more Jesus means to me, the more we declutter and give Jesus space, the more we're going to make him big out there. We're going to be able to do that. We can't do that when we're all squeezed into all this other stuff and Jesus is a little thing in this little crack here in our lives. <laughs> this, other, this isn't going to happen. Jesus is a little, he's in this little bitty crack here. Um, and the more, the better we think of Jesus, the more we love him, the more we appreciate how wonderful and great he is, the more it's going to be a get-to thing and not a have-to thing, and the more it's going to bother us that our neighbors our colleagues at work, our classmates don't give a rip about our great and wonderful Jesus and it's going to bother us. We're going to want to do something. At least pray, I don't know, do something. The bigger Jesus is, the more it will bother us that there are whole peoples out there in the world for whom Jesus is zero, zilch, nothing, the big donut. And there'll be an urge in us to have something, something that we do about it. So, hey, man, God has given us, at Fathom, opportunities. I mean, there's some right close at hand. I mean, within our reach. I mean, he's given us a wonderful partnership with this, these people in Thailand. Um, and I would challenge you, go on the website, look that up. Fathom website, menu in the upper right, missions, global missions, family connection foundation in Thailand. Go to that. Find it. There are people doing IT, IT people. Any IT people around here? Law enforcement people, teacher types, administrator types, counselor types, caring for kids and young, young and old types. An amazing variety of ministries in, with great gospel impact going on over there. Man, I can't imagine there aren't people sitting here that couldn't do some of that stuff. Absolutely. Get out there and do some of this stuff, or at least pray for it, or at least give to it. Yeah. I would hope there would be people from Fathom who would go regularly to this, this site and pray. I go, I, I go regularly. I take a couple of those. There's 17 projects. I take a couple of them at a time and just pray for them. I go on the website, look at what they're doing. I just pray for those people. I, I love that kind of stuff, man. I love it. It's, it's, it's so rewarding. Um, pick some aspect of it. Give it a shot. Um, pray for it at least. Give to it. Maybe go. You know, there's a trip going out there this next summer. Um, maybe for short term. Maybe for long term. Maybe you go out there. I would love to see people with Fathom going out there to live out there. See, this is what I want to do for Jesus, man. This is great stuff. There's, but closer at, hand, closer at hand, there's Love, Inc. You know, we've talked about that. Love, in the name of Christ, right here in Littleton. 
doing all sorts of things to show the love of Christ, to make Jesus big in the lives of people in need. That's right here, right close at hand. Um, and besides that, there's people right here in Fathom with connections to organizations reaching wide for Jesus. We're, we're connected with World Venture. People in, I don't know how many, 60, 70 countries of the world. There's, we have people here that have been connected with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. We have people here that are connected with um, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yes. Um, and more. I mean, there's, there's opportunities all around us to do this stuff here, but it's not easy. It's not natural. Take some work. Take some effort. But once you do it, man, it's great. There's nothing like it. Um, it, it it's a get-to thing. It's not a have-to thing. And, but besides all these kind of ready-made sort of things, man, I, I, I think I can envision people from Fathom being energized by the big Jesus to initiate all sorts of cool and impactful ways of making Jesus known and loved out there until Jesus has all kinds of arms and feet and hearts giving the love and knowledge of Jesus all over the place in all sorts of ways, creative ways, right, right here from people at Fathom reaching wide. But remember, it's a team thing because this is hard. It's not natural. It takes work. It's not like saying to Royce, go make disciples of all nations. It's, it's talking to us all. And that, that's important. We need to team up and help each other. Um, and this is what spiritual gifts are for. Uh, this is important. I want to I just take a moment there. My, my spiritual gift is teaching. So what does that mean? That means that in, in this reaching wide business, the primary way God is going to use me to make Jesus big is through teaching. That doesn't mean that's all I do. Doesn't mean I don't share Christ with my neighbors when I have a chance and everything, but it's not going to be the primary thing. The primary way is through teaching. Now, some of you have the gift of helps. You guys are just great at helping, and it's, it, it lights your fire. You just love to go out there and help people. So the primary way God's going to use you to make Jesus big is not through teaching, but through helping people. Helping people in the name of Jesus. And so this all works together. Um, so we, we've got, I, I've heard of a, a, a group that did a block party for their neighbors. But it was a together thing. Because in that, in that group of, of, of Christians, there were some introverts like me for whom going to a neighbor and inviting them to a thing and having all these neighbors come is like, like pulling my fingernails out or something like that. You know, I can do it, but man, it hurts. It's hard. And the people, they know it's hard and they don't show up because they know this guy invited us, but he didn't seem very excited about it, you know. <laughs> But you, you do it as a group, and you've got somebody there that loves to do that kind of stuff. It just loves to go out there and can meet people, talk to people about anything, and they invite them, and you're the helper type, and so you put all the things together. Somebody's a cooker type and cooks, and somebody's a teacher type, and so you have a little, maybe a little word that they say at the thing. You have this block party, and it's a group thing, and it works because you go together. 
team up. We've got to team up on this kind of stuff. So let's team up. Let's do some teaming up and reaching wide. So that's it. So the coach, Jesus, is sending us out, his team here at Fathom, here in this place, and here at this time, he's sending us out, out into the field with these words. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So as Pastor Chris likes to say, let's get after it. <laughs>